Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we have got a fabulous show on because we have kind of a, uh, an Open to Hope rock star. That's all I can say. <laughs> yes. Her name is Catherine Tidd, and, uh, and she has written an article, only not powerful enough word to describe widowhood. We have had thousands of people read it. We've had 400 comments. I mean, it's just been incredible. So Heidi, why don't you introduce Catherine and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Okay, great. Catherine Tidd, as you said, is a widow. She was a young widow and she has written the book Confessions of a Mediocre Widow. I love that name. She is the founder of Widow Chick, a Facebook page, and she is the owner of Social Seed Marketing and an Open to Hope writer. So welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to be here. Uh, so much fun to have you on. I, I think we little give a little background. Your, your husband died suddenly. He did. Uh, yes, he was in an accident on his way to work. So this was in 2007. So almost 14 years ago, it's hard to believe. Uh, and my children were five, three and one at the time. Wow. So it was very sudden. Uh, yeah, we were looking forward to he traveled all the time. And, and that summer, he happened to be home. So we were just looking forward to having a normal summer. And uh, in July, that that all ended. So wow. wow. And you had those three kids. And I know you write about that in your in your book, you have such a powerful sense of humor <laughs> and a sense of kind of the absurd and the, the odd things and, and that kind of thing. It's, it's a really a wonderful gift. It, in fact, you're a wonderful writer, whether you oh, have loss or not, you, you really do see kind of the unique things of life. So well, thank um, you so much. I, you know, when I first started the widow chick blog, I <laughs> made a deal with myself that because it was, writing was such a great way for me to process. And um, I made a deal with myself as people started reading it, I didn't want it to be completely depressing. Uh, you know, that's, it's hard to, that's an odd thing to say about widowhood, but um, I just said, you know, I either needed to, by the end of the blog, find the funny in what had happened or have learned a lesson about what had happened. And it was amazing how that shaped how I coped. So even when things were terrible and I would write a blog about it, or sometimes I'd have to wait, I'd have to wait a week or something. And I would just say to myself, don't worry, you're going to find the funny, you're going to find it. Um, that was my deal with myself. And it really, it shaped how I viewed the world and how I looked at grief. So it was, a, it was a huge help to me. And as a side note, I mean, open to hope, it just, you all were so amazing and welcoming writers. And I mean, what a wonderful gift that was. To somebody who was just starting to blog and you know I, I i didn't know much about the blogging world but when i was able to publish with your organization it was it was a huge deal to me so um thank you so much for offering that to so many people oh my gosh your blogs i mean uh your blogs are so amazing that um on our site they're great go to catherine did it open to hope they're they're absolutely fabulous articles that you wrote and, and lonely is not powerful enough is one is really a great one. But I was reading one on your blog uh, last night 
I had a situation where my granddaughter came and, and my husband passed away six months ago and she came to the house and she was so upset because she hasn't been in the house. Mm. And, and, you know, it, it's been, uh, you know, a while for me and I wasn't prepared to have somebody come in at that level mm. of grief. And then I was getting ready for your show after she left and I read, will fixing fix me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind that of is funny. Great article. Yeah, it was funny how, you know, I do, I, I'm, I am I'm such a fixer. I really am. I'm just kind of always looking for a solution. And uh, that's something I've really had to watch as a parent because you can't fix everything. When they're little, it's a little bit easier. You can distract them a little bit. But, you know, as they get older, it, I just keep wanting to jump in. My kids are now 19, 17, and 15. And so there's a lot to fix. And uh, so, you know, but it's hard to step back and say, you know what, I'm doing this because of me. It's making me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. I've got to let them feel and be upset. And, well, you know, that's that's part of it. That's part and it was of it. really yeah. hard for me to sit with that. It yeah. is hard. It's very hard. And then I read your article and I thought, well, it wasn't about me. It was about me trying to sit with it. Sometimes people just want validation and acknowledgement and they want you to, like you said, they don't want you to fix it. They just want you to sit with it. Yes. Yes. What do they say? You're only as happy as your unhappiest child. So it's sometimes <laughs> hard to, to not just jump in and try to try to fix it all. So yeah. that's hard. Yeah. yeah. And especially when there's been a death and a death yep. of a dad and a, wow. You know. Well, I think that's true for a lot of people, I, I you know, outside of family too. Um, it's uncomfortable to sit with grief. It's uncomfortable to sit with our own. It's excruciating to sit with somebody else's. Mm -hmm. So um, we all, you know, we've all heard those platitudes and we have all, we have all heard terrible advice uh, mixed in with good advice, but uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to just be that person who will just sit and listen to someone else and, and, weather that discomfort that's hard and stay with them you know yeah. and not be spacing out or yeah <laughs> well, and, and at the end of the day we can't give them what they want it's true because at the end of the day they want their fathers their grandfathers their siblings their spouses back in the room absolutely and a lot of times too well what what is important to them is to be able to talk about it you know i think that i'm sure that many of your other uh guests have told you you know, it's, and, and you've experienced it yourself, people tend to shy away from the subject of, of the lost loved one when really what we want to do is talk about them. That, that doesn't upset us. Uh, it's fun to share those memories. And, and um, as somebody who's gone through loss, you feel like, am I saying their name too much? Am I, am I bringing this party down? You know, and it's, it's hard to have that connected group that's, or a friend that's going to say, oh, you can just talk about that as much as you want. Um, you know, I, I miss those memories too. So yeah, it's important. You know, um, I th maybe there's the age factor and I don't know what you thought on this uh, because, you know, I'm older and my husband was older. We were married for 60 years. Um, I'm doing pretty well. And sometimes I feel like I'm doing too well because <laughs> I see, because I see other people who are in rougher circles, you know, like you had three kids, you know, I mean, I've just got me you know, and my kids are, they have their own grief, but they're supportive of me. So, sure. you know, I don't know. Well, I just feel like I'm doing fine. 
if it makes you feel any better, I spent, I think a good two or three months after Brad died looking for the perfect red purse. Like how odd is that? But I mean, <laughs> I shopped constantly for a, the perfect red purse. It was just, it was an obsession. So yeah, I mean, my husband died and I was at the mall. <laughs> Retail therapy. Exactly. Exactly. I, I took back a lot more than I kept, but yeah, it was a lot of retail therapy. I think early on, we find ways to distract ourselves from being I think so. Around. But I, to Gloria's point too, I mean, I felt that, I mean, that's why I titled the book what I did because I felt like I was doing everything wrong. I thought I should be in bed. I should be not being able to function. I should, you know, all of these things yeah. when the reality was I was manic. I, I could not sit down. I was looking for a new house. I was looking for a new job. I was shopping all the time. I, I you know, I just, that's what I was doing for a good six months. <laughs> so, um, yeah, working out a lot and yeah, just anything to, to keep myself busy. I said the Heidi, um, denial is an actually pretty darn good coping mechanism. It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and I mean, eventually, I don't know if this comforts you or makes you feel worse, but I think, it either, it can either catch up with you at some point. I mean, that definitely happened to me about six or seven months. And I think it was February of the next year. I suddenly just hit this wall and I was just so upset. And I said to my sister, I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what's going on with me. And she said, you have not sat down this entire time. And so now you're having to sit still mm -hmm, and right. it's, and it's hitting you. But on the flip side, I'll tell you this, Gloria, I, um, I moved about, uh, six years ago. And when I moved from the house that Brad and I had been in, we had renovated that house. You know, I think if he had been here, that would have been our forever home. But there were things that, you know, I wanted to get my kids into different schools and the, the property was large. So it was a lot of upkeep and I was really, I was ready for a change. Now the physical act of moving was incredibly difficult. And I just, when I moved into my new house, I, I waited for like a month, like every day thinking, the shoe is going to drop. It's got, like, I'm just going to have a meltdown. I moved from that, from that house. It's just terrible. And finally, I don't know, a month and a half or two months later, I just said, I'm happy. I I'm okay. You know, I, the other shoe never did drop. It, it just, I was all right. <laughs> I like that. The other shoe may never drop. It didn't. One of the things that you said about writing, I, I thought it was really interesting. You said that you don't have to read grief stuff to no. relate to grief. No, no. Which is really interesting. You don't have to just do that. No, you don't. And, and I, and I'll be honest with you. I was not a huge, um, I, di I didn't read a lot of grief books. I, I kind of started to, but they never resonated with me. I, and to be honest, writing the book and writing the blog, I, I, I have a degree in English, but I'd always used it in the business world. I've never had the thought I'm going to write a book someday. Um, or anything like that. I just, at the time, was really struggling to find find my tribe. Um, most of the books I was reading seemed very self-help, or they were very religious, or were written by older widows, and it just didn't resonate with me. And so it was kind of like, you know, a, a see a need, fill a need situation. And I thought, well, then then I'll write it. And, you know, I wanted to write about what, what it was like to um, have small children, but also in a way that was more in a story format and not um, not preachy. So, you know, that was kind of my, my catalyst. I, I just couldn't find what I needed. And I remember, I mean, this was almost 14 years ago. So a lot of the online groups, I mean, there were some, but not a ton. So there were people who 
you know, we're just at the foundation of creating online support. And, and that's kind of how that came about. It was very selfish of me. I just wanted what I, love, I didn't I have. I love being mediocre, <laughs> confessions of a mediocre widow. Why were you mediocre? I just felt like I was doing everything backwards. Um, I felt like, uh, you know, any widow that you see in the movies or that you read about, I wasn't doing any of that stuff at the beginning. And I just felt like I was grieving wrong. And, you know, it took me years to figure out that there, there was no wrong way to grieve. I still think that there is that mentality out there though, that we, there is a stair-step process that we should be on. Um, yeah. Otherwise we're not, we're not doing it right. And, and a lot of that comes from, I hate to say this, it comes from people that we know who haven't experienced this or even people we know who have, and we're doing it differently than they did. So, um, yeah. yeah it's, well, well, we have counselors like, uh, I have to say I was, and uh, who make these comments like, um, don't make any changes for a year. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Really? How can you not make any changes? I mean, well, really? and yeah, one of the first therapists I had who I went to for a couple months before realizing it was a terrible fit was, I think I was, I was going out to dinner with a male friend of mine who I'd known since high school. And I was telling her about it. And immediately she said, it's, it, you're, it's too early for you to date. Like that was immediately what she said. And, I, and again, that fed into, oh my gosh, I'm doing this wrong. I'm this terrible person. I'm, you know, and it wasn't even a date. We were just going to dinner, but it made me feel terrible. So um, as you both know, being professionals, uh, you know, in this world, it's important to shop around for help, just like you would a car. I mean, you don't just buy the first one. I love that you brought that up, don't you, Heidi? Absolutely. Goodness of fit is everything. And you're, you're both making such good points. I mean, you know, the idea of not doing anything different the first year or the idea that it's too early to date. It's just, you know, some of these things, it's like, where did these originate from? Are we just a, a, agree that, okay, yeah, okay, that's right. Well, I, I don't know that there's any evidence-based research on any of it <laughs> on, on what these kind of things, there's just, they're, they're myths that have just kind of been pushed down the road. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Well, Catherine, I love all the things you do. And have you got some advice for uh, we widows out there? And give it some younger too, because wow, that's a really tough deal to, in my mind when you've got to not only support yourself, but, but keep some kind of organization for those. Families. Well, it is. And, 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 and you know, I've, I've had so many friends and, and interacted with so many people over the years you know, there, there is no way that it's easier. It's not easier when you have little kids. It's not easier when you have teenage kids. It's not easier when, when you have adult kids. It's just hard all the way around. And, you know, in my situation, the kids were so young. I mean, my youngest was 18 months old. And so I had to get up, you know, a diaper had to be changed. I, ha I had to get her out of her crib. I had to, you know, and that made things difficult that I felt like I always needed to schedule my grief. I didn't feel like I could just break down at any time. I'm incredibly fortunate that I have such a supportive family. And so uh, there were moments when I'd call my parents and just say, can you just, can you take the kids for the weekend? I just, I need a breather or whatever. And they were all too happy to do it. So I, I know that not everybody is in that situation. And, and I feel very lucky about that. Um, but I, you know, I think starting out at the beginning, number one, you know, as we've just discussed, you can't, you can't do this wrong. I mean, it's just a terrible situation all the way around. And if somebody is telling you that, then you need to find maybe some other support. <laughs> I would suggest don't, don't um, feed into that. 
you know, as far as the kids go, I've been a single parent now for 14 years. And now my kids are, I've got one in college and two in high school. And um, I feel like the key to all that has always been open communication. We, we really do talk about everything. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, since the kids were so little and I was very proactive in getting them into like group therapy and, and all of that, my, my two older ones did a wonderful uh, camp out here in Colorado called Camp Comfort. It, it's just a fabulous uh, resource. But I got to the point where they really seemed okay. And I thought, well, I don't wanna just push all this grief on them if they're okay then we'll just kind of let this lie and I'll, and I'll kind of monitor them. Well, I'll be honest with you, my 19 year old just in the last month has said, you know what, I think I need to go to therapy. It's hitting her now. So, and that's okay. I'm glad should they know I go to therapy. I'm very open about that. I'm very open about let's find the resources that you need. There's an organization called Actively Moving Forward and okay. it's for college students that have had a loss and it was founded by someone named David Fagenbaum who lost his mother. And he started it while he was a sophomore at Georgetown. Oh, so wonderful. I'm gonna look at A lot of that. chapters and I think there's chapters in Colorado. So look and see if there's any chapters at the school she's in. I will, thank you so much. I appreciate that. It hits everybody differently and, and you know, all you can do is, is be there. One thing I do wanna go back to as far as, as anybody who is maybe in the same situation I am where, you know, you're, you're further out. One thing that really started to bother me a few years ago is the idea that chapter two, when it comes to widowhood is all about remarriage. And that yeah. drove me crazy. Mm -hmm. I actually started looking things up, you know, when it's chapter two divorce, a lot of it is about self-care and, and finding out where you're happy and all that stuff. Chapter two widowhood it, it, it only, we only use that term if we're getting remarried. And that bothered me so much because I, I thought, well, does that mean I'm stuck if I'm not getting remarried? Um, I have dated, I have had long-term relationships, um, but I don't know if I will ever get remarried and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm have a very happy and fulfilled life. Um, and that has, because of that, because I don't know if I will get remarried, I've had to rethink my life. Like a lot of people will, how will I age as a single woman? How will I have, you know, those resources? How will I keep myself busy and things like that? So I really want to say that to mainly probably the women out there mm -hmm. don't feel like chapter two means you have to be in a relationship. Um, that's not what that means. I like me. that, Catherine, you're normalizing it. And the other thing I was going to ask you with that in regards to that are other people's agenda that they want to set you up and that they want to see you getting married. I mean, do you feel that kind of pressure from other people as well or no? I did that. I did at the beginning. Um, I think that there is this mindset that if you're not married, you're not settled. <laughs> um, do you know how many married people, I mean, how many married people do you know are not settled? I mean, really, this is, this is such a crock, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, for me, it was really difficult. I had never... I was one of those women who from eighth grade until I got married, I always had a guy. Mm -hmm. um, when Brad died, immediately I thought I need to get remarried. I need somebody. I was very much validated by the person I was with. Mm -hmm. um, and about six years, six or seven years after he died, I made the conscious decision. I, I need to be by myself for a while. I realized that if you are dating or are really, really trying to get into a serious relationship out of fear of being alone, 
you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And, and that's, a, that's really scary. So it took me a long time to figure out how to be by myself. And now I've kind of gotten over that hump. Now I just can't imagine being in a relationship. Well, I've gone the other way. You're making it at this point. It's like a new identity. It is. Like, it absolutely who is. Am I without my spouse, without my partner? Who am I now? Yeah. And too, especially with having the kids, you know, they have been my company, especially as they've gotten older. We truly enjoy being around each other. I don't want to be one of those moms who is dependent on them for entertainment or companionship. So I've had to make a very conscious effort of joining a book club. I've joined a golf league. I've done all of these things that as they get older, I'm finding my people so that when they go, it's kind of like, yay, I, you know, I I'll have my time. Um, but it is, it's, it has taken a conscious effort on my part to do that. I, I, and that may not be true for other people. There are others out there who I have probably always enjoyed their solitude. I was not one of those people. And now that I've worked through that and figured it out, um, I love my alone time. It might, it baffles my mother. <laughs> uh, I think my mom can relate to me to this because your golf league has been a big part of you know, you're healing. In fact, I, I'm thinking about right now about my article, Golfing Through Grief. Oh, I think it's genius. It's genius. I mean, I, I'm with you, Gloria. Catherine, I'm going to write it and you can add some stuff. I was going to say, if you write it, can I come down and edit it and we'll play golf and we'll just write the whole thing off or something? I, I think Absolutely. that's what we should do. You can just come and stay with me and we'll write it out. <laughs> I'm all about the golf right now. So um, yeah, but it's, again, I've, I've had to, I've, I've just had to find that. I've had to find these outlets. Yeah. Um, and, and to your point, Heidi, it is so important for us to not take other people's goals and dreams and make them our own. Yeah. So, you know, other people have the, you know, I, I'm never going to be one of those people who wants to go on a five-star African safari every year or, you know, things like that. I'm not a person who likes to work 60 to 70 hours a week. Um, right now I'm, I'm creating a life that's crafted entirely around what I want to do. It's my schedule. I don't have to worry about anybody else. Yeah. And there's something amazing about that too. So that's cool. A life yeah. crafted around yourself. I like that idea. Yeah. Well, Catherine, it's been absolutely fabulous to have you on the show today. And I, and I love that you've written for Open to Hope. I p hope people will go to our site and read um, the things that you've done, but tell us how people can get a hold of your book and how they can get a hold of you and, and suggestions that you might have for connection. So the best way to get a hold of me is uh, on katherinetid.com. So uh, just go there and you can find out about newsletters, um, my blogs, uh, all kinds of stuff. So it's all, it's all housed in the same spot. And you can certainly email me if you'd like to. And uh, yeah, we can connect there. Well, thank you so much for everything you've done. And, and do go to our site and read her lonely, not powerful enough word to describe widowhood. And thank you, Catherine, did for Thank you guys so much. And again, thank you for the community you've built. Yes, thank you, Catherine. And thank you for being so candid and honest. Ah, uh, anytime. Uh, My kids just love it. <laughs> I love it about your journey because I think it really normalizes it for everybody. Yes. So yes, absolutely. You're doing. Yes. Well, thank, thank you again. And thanks everybody for joining us on this show today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, 
Please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.